This is Design School is recorded at the KPLU studios in downtown Seattle. Thanks to KPLU for letting us use their space. And now on with the show. I'm going to make a note of it, right? <laughs> Stop this podcast and start doing that. That was really embarrassing. It's going to come out now. <laughs> this is Design School. John Cook, thank you very much for uh, being on our podcast today. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, as you probably heard from uh, our, you heard from our last podcast with Scott, he had uh, recommended you, and he has the first question, mm-hmm. and that question is, how do you feel that grad school prepared you for what you're doing now? Well, it's interesting. I feel like. So in some ways, uh, when I went back to grad school, one of my goals was to be able to work on design problems that were maybe bigger than what I had before uh, in different areas, not just media-related work. Um, And healthcare was one of those areas that I was looking into, as well as, you know, I I did some projects in urban planning that I thought were really interesting, but healthcare seemed like a a more tangible route where there was definitely going to be work in the future. And now that I'm, I'm sort of working in that space now, I'm not, I mean, definitely in the healthcare space, not necessarily in the medical space. I feel like, um, it's been interesting in some ways, like going back to grad school has given me the vocabulary to see how a design process should work in a setting like that, where, um, design isn't necessarily, it's not assumed that you have something to provide for, for this different space. It's not a clean design process that they're used to having. Um, so being able to look at that and sort of go one level up and sort of see it from a a larger perspective uh, I feel like I've been able to sort of look at the process they take and after doing studying all of the theoretical stuff that we read in grad school and talking about that with professors like it, it makes a lot of sense to me right now the hard part on the other hand is being in this area like healthcare where um, for a, our company is probably a mid-sized company. It's not like a startup. You do sort of have to fight to have influence within that company. So there's this this new political side of things that I remember reading about in design school, and now I have to deal with it. <laughs> and that's that's definitely been interesting. I don't know if you could be prepared for that. I feel like I'm uh, I'm I'm aware of it. It's not. Um, I'm, I'm not going in blind, but at the same time, I'm not exactly sure as a designer, or even as a senior designer, how I'm supposed to affect that or how much time do I give myself in affecting that and sort of getting to know the culture and the people and um, having influence there. So, I mean, there's other ways, too. That's at a in a high level to some extent. I, I think uh, just the pace of grad school. Um, with how fast you have to read things, write, reflect on them, uh, the the pace that your projects are expected to run at, uh, being able to work independently um, and failing at that and then having to get used to doing it better, setting up structure for yourself so you don't go crazy, uh, all that stuff um, definitely is helpful as well. But I don't know if you necessarily need to go to grad school to get that. That other perspective, though, of like looking at um, uh, design history, speaking with the professors, 
at UW and thinking about uh, design in a more theoretical way and then trying to translate that in your work. That's harder, I think. That I didn't feel like that was accessible to me before I went back to school. Mm-hmm. So I want to back up for a second, and I think that gives us a good picture of where you're at now and certain things that have affected you more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you find your way to design? So, so we can go way back. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So uh, I think uh, when I went to undergrad, I went sort of knowing, uh, knowing a little bit about design. Mm-hmm. Um, being, I, I think I was trying to be practical about what I did. Uh, and so I, I was good with computers. I liked computers. I'm like, oh, well, there's a couple things you can do with computers in school. You know, there's, there's design. I liked magazines a lot like when I was in high school and growing up. Um, and then I ended up choosing my school. I went to Seattle Pacific here in Seattle, and um, they didn't have a design program at the time. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I guess I'll do computer science. Uh, and so I did that for my freshman year. Um, and I couldn't really see myself doing that as a job ever. I just, it didn't make sense to me. I didn't fit in. Yeah. Um, didn't quite click. No, <laughs> I could, I could sort of do it. I, I was getting like B minuses and stuff. I was scraping by. Um, and I, I mean, looking back, I learned some, some sort of basic programming fundamentals that are help still help me today. But, um, me and another uh, friend in the in uh, one of the classes we were in, we both switched over uh, as they created a new design program my sophomore year into that design program, which was really just getting started. Like they had, I think they had one full time professor, and they were bringing in as many adjunct people as they could. Um, and they brought in some great people, and then there were other quarters where we can't find somebody, so you get the professor we've already got, even though he doesn't know web design or etc. Um, yeah. So I ended up studying, I think my degree was visual communications, and um, I think the program has matured a lot since then and grown a lot since then, but uh, when I went to school, it was it was interesting. It was We had some really hard, difficult, great classes, and we had some classes that were sort of a waste of time. <laughs> but But I think at the beginning there, anybody who was in that program had looked for it and knew that that's what they wanted to do, and so they were motivated. So mm-hmm. um, I think the people who are in those first couple of years from that program, a lot of them are doing really interesting things now, and they're successful in their careers. So that's sort of how I, I got into design. And then from there, from uh, from college, uh, one of our professors uh, had a design studio in Seattle, and mm-hmm. I kept in touch with him. And I think probably about six months after I finished school, I started working for him, and I worked for him uh, for this small design studio in Seattle, doing mostly website design initially for mm-hmm. um, for probably, I, I think I started, I, in total, I worked there probably about five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it split up between, I, I took a break and went and taught English abroad for a year. Where at? Uh, Indonesia. Oh. Yeah. Do you feel like that has affected how you look at the world today and how you approach design at all? Um, I mean, it definitely affects how I look at the world. Yeah. It sort of can't not affect how I look at the world Um, Mm -hmm. and how I approach design, probably. Um, I I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with design when I chose to do that. 
I knew that that was sort of this life goal I had was to live abroad at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opportunity came up and um, my wife and I went together and it, it just made sense at the time. And I was sort of um, not completely happy with what I was doing with the company at the time. It, it was okay. It was just starting to get stale. It was starting to not be interesting or meaningful to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was searching for, I mean, I, that was sort of just a, a, a break. But then when I got back to, I wasn't even sure if that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was starting to look uh, into grad school when we got back, and that was 2008, mm-hmm. I believe. Even though I didn't know what it was I wanted to do in grad school, I didn't think that there was that much depth in design, um, that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and the economy was not good at the time. That was like right when the recession was happening and everything. And the, the company I had been working for had a position open. And so I, my wife was starting a PhD program and that made a lot of sense for us. And so I went and worked there again. And um, that's when I started sort of making a more deliberate transition into looking into interaction design and user experience design from my background, which was more visual communication design. And mm-hmm. I've been working on a lot of flash websites before that, when that was the thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that perhaps your experience in Indonesia influenced what your thesis eventually became? Maybe in sort of a roundabout way in that uh, I went looking for, you know, a richer experience, looking for, uh, looking to do something that I, I felt would be meaningful. Um, or at least be really challenging and difficult for me on a personal level. Uh, and coming back, you know, I wanted that from design too. I wanted, I wanted to work on projects that I felt would be meaningful um, and that I felt had a, a certain level of depth that I wasn't getting doing, doing a website for a, like a small business. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I just wasn't, I got to the point where I, I wanted more, mm-hmm. more than that. So in, in that way, yeah. But in more of a direct way, probably not. So what was it that uh, attracted you to healthcare as a topic? Um, I think I, I was, I mean, I think in general, I am still curious how design can be applied in, uh, in these other professional areas where it hasn't necessarily been applied yet. And I think... Uh, the way technology has been advancing, it makes it possible for design to now affect all of these different areas. And there's all sorts of amazing opportunities out there right now um, where you can work as a designer in these different spaces and city planning and who knows what, because there's a, there's a technological component that's relevant or there might be. Um, even if there's not, you know, there's things like service design that people are starting to talk about. And um, there's this uh, design approach you can take to things, which can be good or bad. Uh, healthcare, I think, is a really interesting area right now because they're, uh, they're having to change the way they do things. Uh, there are some problems at, like, the national level in the cost of healthcare. Uh, and there's there's these mandates coming from the government that require the industry to change. It's it's sort of a mess. It's broken right now. And one of the ways people are trying to change it is through new technologies, trying to make it more efficient, um, trying to make it more uh, fair for people. 
Uh, and so there's this really interesting opportunity right now where design really hasn't been applied in this space. Uh, and so you can be sort of at the front of these changes and you can have real impact in your work. And it's not just, uh, you know, design for good. It's not a one-off sort of project. Like uh, you you are really in working in that space. And uh, I think there'll be, now that I'm actually working at a healthcare company and I <laughs> see how messed up it is, there's a lot of work to do and it's not changing anytime soon. Um, but there's been some already some really interesting mm, innovations that have happened, like at the policy level, that are sort of trickling down to designers, I think, or companies. Not necessarily designers, but hopefully. Yeah. So I'm curious. Um, your thesis project was a project called Chronologic. Mm-hmm. And it was an app, at least from what I remember, um, that kind of connect connected or enabled people who had um, chronic illnesses to be able to track their care better so that they went and had conversations with their doctor. Um, could almost be, I don't want to say more informed, but keep mm-hmm. track of yeah. how they were feeling or um, certain things that they thought might help them maybe make some connections through uh, tracking their data, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. or how they were feeling over time. Mm-hmm. Um I guess, A, I would, I would, I'm curious as to how you got to that point. And then B, um, we'll probably spend a little bit of time talking about that. And then thinking about how do you view that project now that you've spent time in that industry for mm-hmm. a while? Mm-hmm. And then how do you reflect back upon that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I started... Um, when we start started to have to think about what we were going to do for thesis, I was uh, I had been doing this project in urban planning, like an urban planning related project for an interaction design class that I was really excited about. Um, and it was uh, it was one of those things that UW does a lot, where you create a concept and you create a video, and the video illustrates the concept, and it's nice. And it, in some ways, like I, I think there's been some really good work done in that format at UW, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really have teeth until you actually can test it and see what it is and so I, I was really excited about the idea of taking that and actually creating some prototypes and trying to create trying to actually test it in real life and making that my thesis project and as I started thinking about that and researching it um, it got to the point where there was um, if I wanted to do that I would have to find the right partner to really make it real and if I didn't do that which was possible like the there really wouldn't be any meat to the thesis project yeah like it wouldn't be successful in the way that i wanted it to be yeah when you're talking about a partner do you mean for that specific topic like a developer to make it real or wouldn't uh, not necessarily a developer but yeah Yeah. somebody in that space Mm -hmm. like maybe somebody from a local government to say hey we're going to test your idea and actually test it for a project yeah and then you can see if like that project actually i mean you can test your hypothesis and see if it's actually a good idea or not or what you Mm -hmm. would change and you would learn a lot from it and i think uh there's been some like startups that are trying to do the same things that were around when we started and then are still around now so i think it's a really interesting area but it it just seemed like the stakes were really high and it could just be a failure um and i was interested in the medical space and i was starting uh, trying to think strategically about what i wanted to do when i was done and uh, it seemed like there would be more job opportunities there Mm -hmm. So I was was thinking, okay, I could think about what if I did a medical project? Um, And then coming back to what I ended up doing specifically, 
uh, I think, I mean, at the time, I, it was something that I'd already thought about to some extent just because uh, some family members of mine have chronic illnesses, mm-hmm. uh, like autoimmune diseases run in my family. And so uh, something that I'd already thought about was just how the way they interact with their doctor could be better. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a lot of people were developing new technologies for tracking your health or at least your fitness. Mm-hmm. Um but they they weren't necessarily integrated into the medical space. They're more like a fitness level. Um, so I, I think that's how I sort of came to think about that problem is you have these new tracking technologies. You have uh, movements like the quantified self where people are trying to understand in a structured way what's going on with them and with their body. And it's this interesting individual science sort of project um and so how the question then became sort of how can you take uh, these trends that are happening and translate it into a medical space so that it can be useful for a doctor and a patient and try to focus on like that community like augmenting that communication i guess mm-hmm. um and so you're also asking like well, I guess before we get to the second part, I'm, I'm curious, as you approached that design process, did you approach it different? You talked a little bit about wanting to make it a little bit more real mm-hmm. and like how it was tested and things. Um, but did you, in general, approach that process differently than you had approached previous design projects, whether in school or out of school in any way? Uh, in school... I think so, just because of the scope of it. There was a lot of work to do to just figure out what I was doing and what was happening in the space. There was a lot of research. Uh, there was a lot of research to be done to sort of figure out if I was on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like there was a lot of footwork I had to do at the beginning of the process just to make sure I was on the right track. And um, uh, my advisor at UW Tad got me in touch with somebody from the communications department who had been researching in this space from a communications perspective. And so that was actually really useful too, because instead of me trying to, you know, be the researcher be the expert in this area, um, which I would have failed at, um, I had somebody who had already done some interesting work and I could sort of take, okay, she's, she has these findings. Uh, now I can take them as a designer and make something based on her findings mm-hmm. rather than, you know, being the researcher myself, which, I mean, I could try to do, but I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think I would have done as good of a job as as she did, having already spent a year in the space and mm-hmm. uh, learning how to do proper research from like an academic perspective. Um, so in that way, I, in that way, it was definitely a new approach for me, um, really different than the work I had done out of school, but um, probably bigger in scope than the other projects I did at UW. Mm-hmm. So then I'm curious as to now that you're working in the healthcare space, because that's always the transition, right? Is when you do things in school, how does that transition or is how is that different from, you know, when you work in industry? And so now that you're working in the healthcare space, do you look back upon that project differently? Would you approach it differently? Or have you learned other things since then that um, shift how you might look at it or think about it? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about it too. I actually had some conversations with, uh, my, my boss, the design director at our company about, could we make this something real? Mm-hmm. I feel like the way I, I feel like I got to a really interesting problem and I feel like that problem is still very relevant. Yeah. The, 
the way that I decided to solve it, the way the app was designed, um, I I can't really know if that would be successful or not. And we never really got to the point where it was really tested. Yeah. Um, and it definitely could have done. It could have used more work. Honestly, mm-hmm. being back at a job where I'm working, you know, I feel like I I'm working. Um, on more of a craftsmanship level again like with my visual design skills and other things like i I was so involved in the research when i was in school that that side of it i think lacked to some extent but i think i mean i think the project's still relevant it's still there it's just there's other things too like the the realities of the the industry and how you actually execute a project and get something tested in a medical setting so that it can be vetted and accepted all that stuff is still uh, you know much bigger than what i know like it would still require the right partnerships it would still require this sort of strategic um planning to to actually make it a successful project you know it's i tried to take on something definitely bigger than just me for for better or worse it was fun (laughs) yeah yeah do you feel that your um start over again do you feel that a liberal arts education that you got at SPU helped prepare you for this kind of dynamic work with healthcare and visual communications uh yeah definitely um I think I think working on writing and communication skills um thinking about reading different types of materials uh different types of genres uh, all of that stuff is 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 relevant to uh being a designer and having to tell a story about your work and communicate it in the right way to the right audience um and i think uh, i i think that's definitely relevant in interaction design i think it's relevant in in any sort of design um and i think uh, I think writing especially, uh, having to write about your work and having to be able to communicate a logic to what you're doing. When you start putting down words on paper, you start to to see uh, inconsistencies and you start to see the messiness of what, what's in your head and how it could be communicated to somebody else. I mean, you do that through talking too, but most people don't just talk through things. I guess we're doing that now though. <laughs> but I think, I think it's a really great skill and you're not always going to be able to sit down with somebody and talk through a project. So uh, writing is, is really relevant in that way too. Mm-hmm. And what, um, either what class or what project were you working on where you kind of came to that conclusion where it's like, oh, it's a good thing I know how to write? That's a good question. Uh, I don't think I got that until I went to grad school, until I was, I, I would sort of been searching for, you know, more depth in the work I was doing. And that's why I ended up back in grad school before that. Um, I, I don't think I really thought about it in that way. I was more just involved in the daily grind of, you know, we're working on this app, we're working on this website, you know, how do we, how do we get it done? And, um, I, I think writing was still useful to me there in, in small bits, but now that, um, when I got to grad school and when I was working on, uh, you know, not only executing ideas, but defining them and defining problems, framing problems and having to communicate that, 
Um, that's one. Communication skills, I think, are really important. And communication skills can be in writing. It could be also visually, because I think with interaction design, there's a visual component of how you communicate a problem that's really important that happens at the beginning of a design process. One of the things that I find very fascinating is is that connection between um, visual, visual communication being a larger umbrella that includes graphic design, but also writing mm-hmm. and uh, thinking about elements that have been written about graphic design or design education, mm-hmm. connecting it to more literary forms or to more text textual forms that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be just something printed or something mm-hmm. published digitally or mm-hmm. what have you. So I find it interesting that someone who who's very cognizant of that, how have they identified, if mm-hmm. they've even identified it just yet. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Yeah, it's something I feel like I'm still uh, struggling to really execute in the right way, uh, at least right now at my job. I feel like I'm I'm trying to fight my way into the beginning of the design process where the ideas are framed and the, the ideas start to be translated into paper. And too much, I feel like, is trickling down to me right now. But ideally, I would be involved at that time to sort of be illustrating ideas, mm-hmm. like whether it's on a whiteboard or on some sort of document. I feel like that's a really important part of the process that you know, a designer can bring to any sort of problem. Um, and I feel like I, you definitely get to do that in grad school. You have lots of time to do it in grad school, probably too much time compared to what you would have like uh, at a real job. But I feel like that's something I'm missing right now. Mm-hmm. That leads me to a uh, retweet that you had posted. Okay. <laughs> It looks like two years ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> of the famous and great Jamadia, mm-hmm. a good design introduces enough unfamiliarity to, to be interesting, but not so much to be annoying. Oh, wow. I don't even remember that one. I know. It's, it's like, and, and it's, great, but I like it. They're great uh, little quotes or, or little excerpts of his mind. Mm-hmm. Taking that idea and being somewhat new in your um, – in your company, and you were just mentioning how it's trickling down to you, the, mm-hmm. the opportunities or what have you. Mm-hmm. Do you find that there is a, a moment where you think a, a designer needs to be a stronger advocate for the data or for the for the process, and it's their job to to be more aggressive? And I use mm-hmm. aggressive in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Or do you think that it's about um, finding a process that is identified from the beginning that you can then fall in line with? Uh, yes. Good. <laughs> I, Next I question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think both I think both matter, and I, it probably depends on the situation you're in. Because I think in defining uh, a process, I think that's I think that's great if you have the the room to do that. You know, you can define your process and you can execute it the way you you see fit. Um, the situation I'm in right now is that uh, there really isn't room for me to define that process. You know, stuff is trickling down to me and I have to deal with it, and it creates this interesting back and forth where I wish I had had. It's not it's not efficient. I wish I had had input. You know, two weeks earlier when this conversation happened and I wasn't there, um, and then I get angry and. Not angry, but, you know, frustrated with the process because I know what a a better process could be. But at the same time, um, what I'm what I'm trying to figure out right now is it's not just 
about being, I, I can sort of plead my case. But when the company, at least the company I'm working at right now, it probably relates to a lot of companies. When the company has, you know, a, a certain amount of inertia, and there's a certain system in place as to how they do things. Um, you can't just throw yourself into the gears and you'll get crushed, like by the system that's already in place that's that's moving without you. Uh, I think my design director today was describing it as like, you know, like a, a tanker at sea. It's not just going to, you're not just going to turn the course of that tanker and you're going to affect how they work. You're really going to have to be strategic about, you know, turning it slightly and, and really showing that that has value. Um so I think, I mean, one of the things I've been thinking about and I think he's also thinking about is, is how can we sort of uh, have this pilot project that we can do where we, we do uh, a proper design process and we get to do some research and we get to help define the problem from the beginning so that we can show value, so that we can do that in our day-to-day -day work. And that's, you know, that's a level of, you know, strategic and political thinking I've never had to deal with. And I think I'm learning from him now in that regard, but it's also, you know, it can be frustrating on a day-to-day -day level. Do you like that kind of idea of strategic planning? Um, of, I forget what the, the phrase that you just used, but that sort of, I'm going to use adv advocacy. Mm-hmm. Do you like the idea of design advocacy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, um, I, I think that's a really interesting place to be in. That's, that's one place where I'm, I'm very much learning. You know, I, I have, I have, you know, probably like a, a fair amount of experience in other areas um, that involve sort of just the craft of, of design and interaction design. And this is, this is something new that's, that's challenging and frustrating right now and uh, the question i have right now is um if i'm actually able to affect that and be successful i've affected how a company does work and i've affected maybe hopefully the output you know of certain really important projects and that would be amazing like that would be great that would be despite everything that's been frustrating so far that would be um that would that would make uh what i'm doing right now successful if if i work at that and I'm frustrated with that you know for two years and nothing happens it's just going to be frustrating <laughs> so you know I'm learning a lot right now but I think it's still up in the air as to how uh, how successful that project will be um, it'll still be a learning experience it'll just be a, a one of failure <laughs> you don't know that I don't know that yet. I don't yeah. know that yet. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, I think part of that is, I mean, before you were mentioning stepping back and forth between school and then, um, I hate saying doing it in the real world, but doing it in industry, right? Is mm -hmm. is there's a pace difference, a very mm -hmm. different. Some things speed up, mm -hmm. and then other things right. slow down. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. know, yeah, and yeah. so it's those those political things. I think are something that slows down considerably, right? right. And gaining back the patience for that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I remember when I came back into school, that was one thing I had to get used to was stuff like that moving so fast again. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh. Yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I've, I've worked for a long time. I've had to work on big projects and put in a lot of hours. I can do grad school. Like, I, it, I'll just hit the ground running. And then I remember the first couple of weeks feeling really overwhelmed mm -hmm. by how much work there was to do and how you don't get breaks and <laughs> how much reading there is to do. And, 
Yeah, that was interesting. It was good. Yeah. I think it's also, I mean, kind of backtracking a little bit. You were talking about writing before and how writing is so um, important in the design you do and the design process. Mm-hmm. But then there's this, there's also this part of um, writing that takes place in design that I didn't know a whole lot about before I came to school. You know, it's this conversing about how fields are progressing and all of this thing or all of these things. Right. And it's this big conversation I kind of didn't know was really happening. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that in your time in school, you actually got to publish a paper that was part of that conversation. And I'm curious um, what it was like going about that process and then Mm -hmm. feeling was it rewarding to feel like you'd contributed something? Because I know you even went yeah. to the AIGA conference yeah. and talked about it. And and I would say actually going to the conference and getting to present on their little side education uh, panel was probably, that felt more real than actually publishing it. Because it, it was sort of published through them, and I don't even know mm-hmm. if they actually ever found a place to to really publish it but yeah but being able to go there and take like what was a class project and present it there was was a really good experience mm-hmm. like i was really lucky to be able to do that while i was in grad school yeah. um and i think uh, i think that happened i mean the the professor we had for that class sort of gave us a structure to create something that could be a, a submitted to a conference proposal in that way um and that was really useful. She she sort of gave us the room to really revise the paper and uh, get it to the point where it was uh, sort of could have been accepted there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have to take the paper and put it into a visual presentation format to present at a, a place like AIGA, even though it was a, definitely a smaller venue than most people were presenting at, it that was really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your paper about? It was about uh, it was about some of the things we talked about, it was about collaboration, like how designers should be collaborating with other fields. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean? Uh, a lot of people want to work on these design for good projects. Uh, they want their design to be meaningful. Uh, how, and then the, the paper was sort of asking like how that should be done. Like, um, how, how can you take design and go into an adjacent area that you don't know and, uh, communicate with somebody else. And so it was sort of getting back to what I mentioned before, which was sort of visually communicating your ideas at the beginning of a process so that you can keep people on the same page. And uh, it was about how that, there's actually a craftsmanship in that. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's not just like design thinking. Like uh, it, it takes a certain ability, a certain skill to be able to, to think visually in that way. Um and so it's sort of this like strategic design thinking, but I was trying to, I think I'd come across some, some interesting, uh, writing, uh, and some videos, uh, of Robert Fabricant from Frog. Mm-hmm. And he had been working on this project, uh, with Frog, with, uh, another group in South Africa, um, trying to, res- trying to respond to the AIDS pandemic. And there was, uh, school of business at Yale, maybe I think it was at Yale who had done uh, a research project about this. And they had these really awesome videos of Robert Fabrican and other people in the project talking about the process they took and what was the value of design in that space. And so I tried to use that in my paper. Uh, and then I tried to use, um, 
you know, some of the stuff we'd been reading in school, like from Donald Schoen about, uh, sort of illustrating your process and sketching being a way of thinking and, um, trying to mash all that up together, uh, as to say, maybe this is the way we should be working with these other areas in order to have impact in the world. Um, it's not just, it's not just a, a poster project for, for somebody we can, we can have more impact as designers, mm-hmm. uh, in these other areas. Yeah. It seems like a paper like that going through all of that reading and then writing and formulating your thoughts mm-hmm. seems to, I mean, what you're talking about there is actually quite really similar to the very process you were talking about when you're going through your thesis mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. going through the work you do now. Yeah. I feel it's, like I got... I feel like I did okay in like keeping the work I was doing in grad school, like like having having it have a theme, I guess. Yeah. Like like there was to some extent that theme in the work I did in grad school, and that was that was my goal when I went to. Um, and, and part of that was just uh, luck as well. Like there were some projects that I got you know to work on through my advisor and and the the connection he was able to uh, give me when I was working on my thesis project to work with an outside researcher like those things happened as well which made uh, a lot of that easier too what was the uh, conference that you presented at uh so it was the AIGA conference but it was the uh, the educators pre-conference were you there as well uh it depends which one was it oh which which year it was yeah. uh, in Minneapolis no, I didn't. I didn't go to okay. the Minneapolis one, but your um, and it must have been that I had seen your uh, chronologic presentation or video on the UW oh, grad student I should, site. I should go look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you had uh, when you had mentioned that you had presented, I'm like, maybe that's where I've seen it before. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looked very familiar when, when we were reviewing mm-hmm. uh, stuff about your your um, about you. Yeah. That sounded creepy. <laughs> I'd like to talk about uh, mentorship. Mm-hmm. I've heard a couple of times you say that you've had someone um, advise or mentor you or what have you. Mm-hmm. Did you find that mentorship in undergraduate as well as in grad school? To some extent. Um, I think as an undergrad, I... Uh, the the class I took with the um, adjunct professor who I ended up working for that was one class that sort of just clicked for me and I definitely got along well with him. Uh, I don't know if I would call it necessarily a mentorship at that time because uh, I was still trying to figure out you know what I wanted to do, but it was a connection that was was really valuable. And then working for him later that was definitely a mentorship. Um, uh, mostly you know in the craft of what we were doing, I learned a lot. Um, and also just in the way that, uh, you know, in the, the creative direction that he gave me and how having to deal with that, um, uh, at the grad school level, I mean, I definitely got some mentorship from my advisor. Um, but, but his perspective was unique as well. He's somebody who's done a lot of research. He's, he's been in academia for a really long time. So his, uh, his advice uh, in that regard was uh, really good, um, but I feel like I'm still. I mean, I feel like I could use a mentor at the moment. I felt that way since I've been in the industry. I think I like somebody to sort of push me to think about what's next. Um, 
and maybe, uh, and I'm, I mean, looking back and being reflective about it, you know, there's definitely been people that I've uh, learned a lot from wherever I've worked. Uh, right now, I feel like it's the, the design director I'm working with being strategic about the way design is, uh, has influence in the company we're at. That's been really interesting to observe. Uh, but I don't necessarily have anybody pushing me from an uh, interaction design perspective or from a visual design perspective um, or from even like uh, uh, just in my career in general. Like maybe that's the part that I feel like has been missing. Like somebody who's been very successful in their career and is uh, sort of uh, has advice for me on how to do that. <laughs> but I guess I'm doing okay. <laughs> I, I would say so. That was going to be my second part of the question. Is mm-hmm. Now, yeah. now that you're ac- out of academia and that model of mentoring is is not as prominent. Mm-hmm. Do you have or are you seeking out someone? And it sounds like you're, you're, you would be willing to have a mentor now. You don't have one just yet. Mm-hmm. But perhaps looking back at when you did the uh, uh, studying away or, or living abroad, mm-hmm. was there someone who helped you in figuring out from beginning to coming back and applying to grad school? Was there someone there? And that model mm-hmm. that you could then use to um, to find a mentor now, now that you're out of academia. So that person, I did have somebody helping me out in the whole applying to grad school process. Um, and I actually applied to UW twice. I didn't get in the first year. <laughs> you too? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, if anybody's listening, like I think that's really important is to to keep trying and be persistent. Like if you okay. if you think that grad school is a thing for you, then you know, try to talk to as many people as you can and if you get rejected, try again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um but the person who helped me out in that respect was my wife actually cuz she had uh when we were in Indonesia, she was applying to PhD programs or masters into PhD programs and so she had um and then when I decided to go back to grad school a couple years after we got back, she'd already been in grad school for a couple years. Um, uh, and she's in the English department as well. Uh, so she could really help me with the writing side of things and sort of trying to uh, put together you know, a story of why I should be there and what I want to do. Um, but now thinking about, you know, who would that be that would be the person to mentor me now? I I don't know. That's a good question. I think it would, it would be somebody who has, you know, a lot more experience in the industry than I do, uh, but is maybe working on the types of projects that I would like to work on. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a plan for finding that person, but... <laughs> How do you tell your students to go about finding a mentor? Is that something you talk with them when they're still in school? Yeah, usually um, when they come back, if they come back to me um, <laughs> and ask me a question like that, like, you know, I'm I'm struggling on a daily basis. Wh- who should I talk to or what should I do? Um, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. I certainly feel that even now. You know, mm-hmm. I've been out of grad school for 11 years and undergraduate for even longer than that. There is a lot of times where I could use someone to turn to and say, here's my problem. Mm-hmm. I need a sounding board. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to solve my problem. I just right. need you to hear it right. and talk talk it through with me. Yeah. And so I, I kind of give that example to them. I say, here I am, older than you are. 
and I'm in search myself. Mm -hmm. And here's who I talk to. Here's the type of person that I talk to. And it's not always a one person. You know, it's it's not a the academic advisor because they know all the ins and outs within the school. It is I need someone for this reason. I need someone for that reason. And so, in that case. There is a – it's almost a family that mm-hmm. you, you then look for. So I think that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. 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 There, isn't, there isn't that one guru in your life who helps you, guides you through everything, you know. As yeah. much uh, as you want there to be one. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be so much easier? Yes. yes. Sometimes I wonder if I could just have a therapist so that way I could talk to someone that they could listen for an hour. <laughs> you should just you should just be that person for other people. You, you can market yourself as a design guru. You know? Design guru. Yeah. Or a design therapist. Mentor for hire. Yeah. yeah. Design yeah. therapist. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, who was it in the 80s? Uh, the like, talk show therapist. Dr. Ruth. <laughs> It could be Dr. Ruth for the design field. That's a that's a South by Southwest presentation right there. Oh, oh. Um, don't I mean, you need something to do during the summer, Chad? Still looking. In some ways, you're doing that right now. So, yeah, I guess so. This you is, guys, you guys are a listening board. We, we, I guess, we're trying to be. We're we're trying to be a uh, an opportunity for students who are doing it right now and saying I wish there was someone who could just who had the same sort of issues mm. or that have similar questions or inquiries that I do and so that's why we are constantly bringing in different people like yourself mm. to say so what do you do how did you do it what happened when you did it and so forth and mm-hmm. I don't think we've we've come across a single exact story yet like a common thread, like oh, this is the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not Definitely a manual not. yet. We we haven't written right. chapter one because right. yeah. it's constantly changing depending on who's on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but that's JP's end goal is to turn it all into a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this is the right way to do things. <laughs> there actually is. A, I'm just joking. <laughs> Koi Vin just published a book uh, interviewing designers about their how they got to be where they're at. Hmm. But meaning to actually take a look at it. Yeah. Well, do you have any questions for us? Uh, yeah, I, I heard you asking that to other people in a couple of the other podcasts. Uh, so I came up with at least one. Um, and maybe this is more more applies to JP's teaching right now. I I'm, was curious about thinking about, you know, where design is, how design has changed in the past 10 years. And... Uh, how you think it will be changing in the future? How do you think uh, what you're doing as a professor will change? Uh, how do you think teaching will change? Um, like, how will you best prepare your students for what's coming, or what do you think is coming? Oh, I, I, I do like that one. That's one that I think got me into my second year of grad school. What is it that I can contribute to the design education? And keeps me, I think, uh, teaching design is what is it that I am doing to prepare for the next generation? Mm -hmm. Partly that has to do with trying to teach them a a very broad perspective of inquiry, being Mm -hmm. curious, uh, being intellectual, Mm -hmm. asking good questions. And not so much about the technology, mm-hmm. you know, especially the things that have changed in the last decade of teaching design is probably the technology. Mm-hmm. 
and that technology continuously changes so quickly that it's hard to keep it and maintain it. But if mm-hmm. you can teach someone how to learn technology mm-hmm. as opposed to use the pen tool in this way, right. use the mouse like this, right. they'll constantly be able to catch up. Mm-hmm. They'll constantly be able to adapt. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's much more important than actually teaching them, here's how to use Photoshop, open it up. Mm-hmm. Here's how to use InDesign, open it up. Mm-hmm. So the important component, and, and that's why I was kind of inquiring and, and digging in uh, to you with uh, your undergraduate education, is to having a broad perspective mm. of if you can learn and think, then you can be adaptable in, in any sort of way. And I think a designer yeah. is supposed to be someone who is adaptable, someone who is an advocate for the data that is out there. And we have so much more data than we did 10 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, yeah. so that that becomes more much more important. So the future, I think, is going to be to the designers that can interpret, write, design, think mm-hmm. about data mm-hmm. and about the the final audience. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is where where we need to continue to move forward with mm-hmm. design and not so much about let's learn about the whiz bang technology mm-hmm. because whiz bang technology as we all know now we just open up a youtube video and you've got a tutorial right there and mm-hmm. but knowing what to do with the whiz bang technology is going to be much more important so mm-hmm. how do i talk about chronic Ill- illness mm-hmm. in a mobile app mm-hmm. whereas i would have talked about chronic illness uh, in a brochure mm-hmm. or in a printed document or what have you. Mm-hmm. And the the topic is still relevant. The topic is still going to be relevant. I don't think we're going to cure chronic illness or right. cure the majority of issues that we currently have. So adding to those issues is going to require us to be much more dynamic with the data that we collect. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where education is. Do you think uh, being able to read and interpret that data involves uh, more more education and things like statistics and maybe oh, coding? Yes. And- oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a great book that I read when I was an undergraduate on, I think it was called Information Design or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I have the quotes somewhere and, and the book mm-hmm. well highlighted and and dog-geared and and what have you. And it said that the future is going to require designers to be sociologists, psychologists, Mm -hmm. communicators, Mm -hmm. painters, diplomats. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to require someone to have the uh, compassion as well as the political insight to to be able to maneuver around things. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I think that being able to to reflect data in such a way that presents whatever the topic is that the end user needs mm-hmm. is very valuable. And knowing how to code and mm-hmm. knowing how to interpret and mm-hmm. knowing how to write. and Yeah. Or if, I mean, in some ways that sounds like completely overwhelming. Like the designer has mm-hmm. to be all of these different people. But, but I think uh, 
instead of thinking about it that way, like the designer has to be the sociologist, the the programmer, the mm-hmm. statistician. Like, uh, you know, I think the designer maybe has to know enough to be dangerous in each of those areas. They have to know enough to be part of the conversation, to keep up, to be respected. And that's that's an interesting thing about being a designer is always having to learn about these adjacent areas, having to become familiar with them and be able to be part of the conversation so that you can be relevant. I love that. The designer needs to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. That, that's very true. And I, I have a colleague that has uh, said that to me over the years. Is that I'm going to teach you uh, enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that that's important because not to be dangerous to society, but enough oh, right. to be curious about if I push it just a little bit more, I yeah. can get a lot more. Or yeah. if, I, if I know not to push it a little bit more and get more mm-hmm. from it. So, yeah, yeah. Dangerous design. <laughs> Chapter 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's interesting that you're framing a lot of the conversation around data. You know? Because um, I think that's too two big things in the way that design is headed, right? One is experience and one is data. And maybe data is beginning to inform experience in a lot of ways. Um, But I think one uh, last thing I was going to ask you about was um, what you did last summer. Because there was a lot of data there, it seemed like, at Schema. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like that was kind of like a lot of convergence. And then also talking about walking into a field um, because it looked like you did a project where you were going in and trying to design an interface for like molecules. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So. I, I was yeah, I was really lucky to be part of that project because it was yeah. a really interesting project. Uh, looking at how uh, how a company, um, a bioengineering company, navigates their library of work, basically mm-hmm. at an internal level. But I was sad that I actually didn't get to be part of the design process at the beginning. I, yeah. I, I came on and helped them prototype that yeah. really fast, and I actually started prototyping it before I was done in my last quarter of school, which was I did just to get my foot in the door. Yeah. And, but was kind of crazy at the same time. That's so fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Although it, in some ways, in some ways, it helped me like ground myself in my own project. It was just a project at that point. Like I, yeah. I if I spent a day coding a prototype for them, that completely flushed my head. I was tired, <laughs> but I, I went back to my own project with you know more of a clear head um, and was less because I I think that's one of the things in grad school that's so hard is you you work on a project. Um, and you're you're so stuck in your own head, and it's not a normal situation that you'll find. And when you're finished in life, you'll always be working with teams. But you have so much time and space to run ideas around in your head, and that can be bad. But that's another tangent. <laughs> but I, I, I was kind of sad that I didn't get to work at the beginning of that project. I did get to work on another project later, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I don't even think has seen the light of day yet. But hopefully it will. Uh, and that was interesting. Um, working working with them, Christian, the the owner, the founder, he he's a really good programmer. He's really good at thinking analytically about the data. He because he's he's very well versed in code. He's he's one of those people who, um, I, probably more so than anybody I've ever met. He's uh, uh, his ability in both engineering and coding something and designing it uh, is 
far beyond a, a lot of people I know. And, and so working on a project with him, he's thinking about it in both ways uh, as he goes along. And, and that was really interesting mm-hmm. um, and, and intimidating also. Um, but I... Um, but yeah, they're doing really interesting work. I would love to. I would have loved to have worked on uh, a more data visualization project, um, like one of their side projects that they've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. So, John, the the last thing we do is we usually ask um, who who would you be interested in hearing from, and essentially who who should we talk to next. Yeah, so I, I reached out and got in touch with uh, another person from the UW Design Program who finished a year before I did. He's still in the area. <laughs> Just because I was trying to think about, and maybe I was thinking about, you know, who I, who would I want to hear in this podcast, but also uh, who have you guys interviewed and uh, who would be sort of maybe a different perspective. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking that you should interview Adriel Rollins next. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, I think he's an industrial designer. Um, which might be an interesting perspective to have, but two, he's also you know he's also very interested in design education. That's the reason he went back to school. Yeah. Um, and his project while he was in school was, uh, I think, relates well to uh, how you think or how he thinks about design education. Mm-hmm. He's he's really interested in the the craftsmanship side of design um, and how how maybe that's getting lost today which is his perspective and I think he's he's definitely a different sort of designer than I am and so it'll be really interesting to hear him I think in this context reflecting about you know what's the what's the importance of design education like uh, how should it happen where is it going yeah yeah so what question would you like to ask him yeah, so I was thinking uh, about asking him, you know, based on his experience, both in grad school and as an undergrad, how how does that experience, how will that experience, you know, affect his teaching style, the way he wants to teach, what sort of professor will he be? That's a great question. Well, thank you very much for uh, being on our show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.